Hello, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen, a movie podcast where we fill in the gaps in each other's cinematic knowledge by asking important questions like, you've really never seen the Terminator, or... You never caught Terminator 2, or... How have you not seen The Abyss? Hello again, and thank you for joining us for How Have You Not Seen? I am your co-host, Caroline Thompson. I'm Carson Betts. And this is a movie podcast for each week. One of us picks one of our favorite movies that the other hasn't seen. We talk about it. Then we go and watch the film. And we talk about it some more. It's gonna be a real good time. The sea. The sea calls to me. It calls to me. Like it does all of us every, every now and again. We all want to walk into the sea at some times in our lives. Pretty sure James Cameron said that. I'm pretty sure James Cameron has been living that uh, that mantra exclusively for the last, really kind of since he made this movie. This is the first time that he like really goes underwater. Yeah, well, Piranha 2 The Spawning, but... Uh, the Fred was, uh, I think that's a little different. Yeah, it's a little bit of a different thing. You know, all I know is James Cameron had like three different wives in which they said, hey, James, it's the sea or me. And he said, ah, the sea for sure. That is so interesting that that is how you open up this podcast. 100% the sea. Well, this movie I think I know what the premise of this movie is. Well, we will get to that in just a moment. Okay. Carson, before we get there, how have you not seen The Abyss? Um, I don't know. This is... Other than Piranha 2 The Spawning, which, depending on who you ask, kind of doesn't count. This is the only James Cameron movie that I have not seen. Um, I would say that Piranha 2 is a film that James Cameron directed. I would not call it a James Cameron movie. Sure. Okay. I will watch Piranha 2 at some point. I I do want to watch it under the right circumstances. Um, Probably just because you can't. You can't find it anywhere. Like it never came up on a streaming service. This it's it's one of much like I mean we did Old Boy last season. You know we run into this every so often. Where are these movies that you just cannot access very easily? Yes, um, I think that that's probably the reason. Also, I mean this is if there is a lesser film in Cameron's filmography, this is probably it, right? People don't really talk about The Abyss as much. Like this and True Lies are probably his two. The, the two lesser Camerons. Yeah, well, and that's and that's the interesting thing is this is this is the the the, the new IP he makes off of Aliens. This film is 1989, which uh, we'll get to this later, but fucking absolutely stunning that this film was made in 1989. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a 1989 film. This follow up to Aliens, and it's one of those things where. After this, he goes back and does T2. Like he goes, and that is, and it's really, he does T2, and that is just such a colossal hit that then he does Titanic. And then it's just like, okay, like James Cameron, A list, like, like in the canon as like one of the greats. You know what I mean? Like everybody knows, you know what I mean? And this is kind of like, this is kind of like, I would not say, 
any other director that made this, this would be a flawed but incredible film. Mm-hmm. Um, and for this to be lesser Cameron is really interesting. Um, but we will we will discuss all of that. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is notoriously difficult to to watch, which I gotta say, have you purchased a DVD of it online yet? I ordered one from Amazon. I'm going to go. I did. I ordered one from Amazon. It should get here. Otherwise, I'm going to go to the buybacks near me. Find a DVD from that. I'll cancel my Amazon. Yes. I, you know. I might Is it not Prime eligible and not be here within a day? <laughs> I didn't know. It's like within order? like four. Yeah. I, I okay, yeah. Rush shipped it, but it's it's like some Canadian distributor. Um, Yeah, it's from Jim's Homeland. Um. Yeah, well, you know, honestly, two seasons in a row, I just mentioned it and now really put into uh, put into clear relief for me that two seasons in a row, we did two movies that were no har- notoriously hard to find on streaming and were about to get 4K re-releases and so got even more notoriously difficult to find in physical yes. media form. We did Old Boy and then this. Um, yeah, yeah. So no, it's interesting to talk about because, yeah, this is a movie that like I, I don't know the reputation of this movie because I don't really think that it has one. No, it doesn't. In the it wider was... culture. Like, especially not in the way that obviously James Cameron's films are either these big genre-defining masterpieces or there are these, these box office destroying mega bombs of money. You know, and this is really neither of those things, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um all that having been said, we're kind of veering into the next the next bit here. What do you know about the abyss? What so do you know about the abyss? The Abyss is a movie about an undersea group of explorers. I don't, I don't, they're just going to explore, right? Like, it's not, I, because there is some sci-fi shit in this movie, but it all comes later. It's all sort of accidental. Much yes. the way that, you know, the crew of the Nostromo is a otherwise normal, you know, quote unquote normal, like sci-fi hauler crew that just so happens to run into an alien. They kind of run into a, a deep sea thing. Um, but the primary drama of this movie is that the lead, Ed Harris is the lead, right? It is, yes. Ed Harris is the lead. Him and his wife are the two, like, either she's the captain and he's, like, the commanding officer. Like, they both have big, you know, like, titles aboard the ship, but they have recently separated and are going to be divorced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's the and that's the drama of the movie, which is of is I mean, this is the most James Cameron premise of all time. It's a movie that takes place underwater, featuring like two controlling blowhards who just can't make their marriage work. Like, correct. Yes. Yeah. Those are the things that James Cameron makes movies about. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's no kids in this one, right? They don't. No. Inexplicably my, bring a child down there with them. There's not a kid aboard the uh, aboard the ship. There might be like a scene or two, like back home where like you see sure. their kid. But I, no, there is no like there is no like the kid in this movie. Certainly, I don't believe there's any children like at all. But the only thing he's missing, yeah. Well, um, wonderful. Yeah. Do you know anything? Lance else Lance Henriksen is not in this, but I feel like. There's like another Cameron guy that's in there. There is another Cameron guy in here. I don't know who it is. I did know. I can't recall right now, <laughs> but it's not Henriksen. I remember. Mm, we have we have seen him in the last two weeks. Oh, um, is it Kyle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Michael Bain. 
Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, in his, I would say, his most interesting of the three performances he gives in James Cameron films. Okay, that's big. That's big yeah. praise. He's pretty cool in the first Terminator. Okay. He's pretty cool, uh, yeah. but he's a very just like normal guy who is on a mission to do a thing. And that's what he's there to do. My in mission those is to movies. save you from a robot and have sweet, sweet, sweet love mm-hmm. with you, little lady, to save the yep. future. He's like a very just like, uh, he's very much just like a dude in those movies. And uh, he's just, he's got some... He's got some stuff to do character-wise in this one. Okay, that's very exciting. Yes, this movie is insane. I feel like this movie is structured in like nine acts. Um, it is fantastic. I'm so excited for you to watch it. Do you know anything else about too. The Abyss? Is there some early CGI in this one? I'm pretty sure I read something about that when they did the 4K. <laughs> there is, yes. Because it's like even... I like... We... Uh, we rec- take a shot. We record these out of order. We have not recorded the T two episode yet, but I will. I defend the CGI in that movie. I think it is pretty it's effectively it's used. Very fucking good. It's it's good, but it's also like in the context of that movie, it makes sense that that is the CGI element in the movie. Um, but before that movie, I could imagine the CGI in this one might be a little, a little rough, rough, rough. Right? I would not. I would not even go that far. I would say that for a film made in nineteen eighty nine, it's actually kind of astounding. All right. That's very exciting. Um, th- again, with the thing for a film made in 1999, but this is a film that was made in 1989, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And there's a lot of it, too. That's the thing is oh. I, I don't I won't give too much away, but like. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering. When does the 4K actually come out? Like the the actual blue. That is a very good question. They still have not released. I don't believe they've released the 4K remaster. Uh, March twelfth. Yeah, my bro. Oh, cool. My birthday. Great. Literally the day after my birthday. That'll be a really good for my birthday. Um, Yes. Yeah. I still am waiting for them to announce. Like, hey, we're gonna put the 4K remaster of Old Boy with the other two movies in the Vengeance trilogy. And it will happen one day. It will. Um, It will. Well, that having been said. Um, are you ready to uh, move into our game for the week? I'm so ready, yes. Great. Well, we are playing a, a, a quick game of recast it. We have got, I'm going to give you, for this, for this week, I'm going to give you the top three actors in this film, the three highest build. Um, this film has a large supporting cast, um, a lot of whom are very important and very much in that James Cameron aliens kind of avatar way of lots of, good supporting characters very much a team a crew maybe, you know yeah Loves very a much a crew yeah um but really uh, in terms of actors you would know by their name it's really like our top three our top three folks and there's a few faces you're like oh yeah i know her like she's mm-hmm. been in stuff um but starting off we are going to start with our top build actor the lead of this film ed harris ed harris has such a particular energy he sure does. Playing Bud Brigman. God damn, that's a good name for a guy that runs a ship. Um, okay, I thought of this kind of immediately. I think this is... I don't know what mode Ed Harris is in. Is he full full black hat bad guy in uh, Westworld? Or is he kind of like, you know... I, he could be very soft, 
too. Harris has a big old soft side. Um, I'm going to say, say it's a very hard soft Ed Harris, if that makes sense. Hard soft. The hardest sort of, soft that Ed Harris medium, ever gets. A medium hard Ed Harris. It's, um, it's soft Ed Harris, but it's the hardest that he goes to still be in soft territory. Okay. Actor no, saying. I, I do. I think I, I think I get it. An actor who I think is a little younger than Ed Harris. I don't know. He's going to prison soon. Um, but very popular in the 80s. He, he's younger. He's got to be. Popular in the 80s. Uh, has bestrode many a ship, perhaps even a submarine. I'm going to say uh, Alec Baldwin. Ah, yes. Okay. Yes. Um... Did you ever think that we'd live to see a world in which Billy was the dominant Baldwin? Hmm. Hmm. No, yeah. No. Uh, honestly, you said he's going to prison soon, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, Probably, though. <laughs> I mean, hey. If I could put money on it, I would. I mean, hey. Um, and I was like, he can't mean Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I was like, he can't be about to say Alec Baldwin. But I here we are. He, the only problem I have is that Alec Baldwin in the 80s is still, because what, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross is like 90. What? You know, I don't think their age is that different because this is the same time as Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice yeah. is 80, 89, but 87. Here's my only compunction is that when Alec Baldwin's in Beetlejuice mode, he's still such a, a pretty little guy, you know? Yeah, but he's not. But he, I would not look at I would not look at Alec Baldwin in Beetlejuice and Ed Harris in the Abyss and say, oh, my God, Alec Baldwin is so much younger than him. Sure. I would just say that is a man who has had a, who has been to a, you know, been to a spa once in the last 20 yeah. years. Ed Harris is to, almost 10 years older than Alec Baldwin. Really? He's, 70, he's 73, Baldwin is 65. That's crazy. Yeah, weird, right? Yeah. Uh, Ed Harris also nominated for four Oscars. He had to win. Um, and the second actor that I'm going to have you recast is Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio as Lindsay Brickman, the uh, the estranged wife of Bud in the okay, film. I pulled her up on Google. I wanted to get a look at her. And I, isn't it sad when you look up an actor and the first thing under there people also ask on Google is, whatever happened to Mary Elizabeth Masterminio? Yes. Um, yes, it's yes. Oh, shit. Oh, you know what I thought? And then it kind of... You know, it almost makes me want to change my answer for the first one. So you know who I thought, based solely upon looks, I do not know what energy that she's bringing to this movie. But in terms of looks fairly similar, I think the age makes sense. And also can play a really good ex-wife, Mary Steenburgen. Oh, And you know what that made my mind A to C on? Is that I should have... For the first one, I should have said Richard Jenkins. They could have reunited for some Ah, others. okay. I was curious if you were going to say Richard Jenkins or Christopher Lloyd. Uh, I don't think Chris... <laughs> I love Christopher Lloyd. I don't think that he should be put in charge of a ship. I'm just going to put it that way. I don't think we should let him. I don't think so either. I, th- I think he's too... He's I think he's too zany. zany. I think he's, he's too, too zany and too intense. Yep. Yeah, he just... He's if you could... Ed Harris could not pressure. get close to Doc Brown. Like, he does not have that kind of looseness 
No, not at all. I love the pull of Mary Sue Virgin. All the time. I, have a, I think I she's do too. so I just mean talented, like, and I have a giant crush on Mary Sue Virgin. As we all yeah. do and or should. Um, third and final actor that I'm going to have you recast is, mm-hmm. you've mentioned him already on the show, but Michael Bean as Lieutenant Coffee. Not spelled C-O-F-F-E-E, but C-O-F-F-E-E. Is it pronounced Bean? Why? That's how I've always pronounced it. B-I-E-H-N. I mean, who knows? Well, we'll we'll get him on the pod. See, I'm a little confused on this one because I obviously we have been doing a lot of Bean content, Bean Bane, whatever. Doing a lot of Mikey content recently. But you... You're saying he's bringing a different, you know, there's a whole different character to this movie. Um, a totally different energy than he's had in the last two. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at Michael Bain's face. And I'm also thinking of an actor who looks similar-ish, has, can, can play a normal guy, but can also play a little, little Weasley. Um, could definitely be your your supporting actor nom for the movie, hundred uh, percent. I'm gonna say Edward Norton. He's definitely too young. This is definitely me pulling from pulling from further yeah, in the yeah. future. He's like eight. He's like okay. 19 years old when they're shooting this movie. But is 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 Edward Norton even that old? He's gotta be in his late 40s. He's gotta be right. Yeah, this film was made. This film was made Ed years Norton. Ago. Let's see. Wait, what was Edward Norton born? Let's find out. He was born Edward Edward Harrison Norton was born in 1969, so he would have been 20 years old. I almost got it. Oh wow! When they, I was probably correct because I said when they were making the movie, he was 19. I probably got it exactly right. Look at me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Great. Uh, so we've got Alec Baldwin, Mary Seen Virgin, Edward Norton. Uh, try not to think about it too hard as you're watching the movie, but I uh, do have do de- devote about two percent of your brain power to see if that I'm works even slightly. Devoting about one percent Mary um, Virgin, so it's okay. That's fair. Uh, in that case, Kirsten, are you oh, ready I'm to so go right. and watch the? I'm, Abyss? I'm real. This is one of the movies I'm the most excited for this whole season. I think. I yeah. am so fucking stoked to rewatch it. This is a movie that like. I will say the first time I watched it, you get kind of like two thirds of the way through and you're kind of like, what? You're like, this is amazing, yeah. but what? And then like by the time it's over, you're just like, oh shit, yeah. banger. Also, Carson, yeah. we're landing on this now. Watch the director's cut. Okay. Okay, director's cut. Wait, let me make sure that's the one I'm getting from Amazon. Director's cut. If not, I'll make it happen. I'm taking note of it right now. Director's cut, director's cut. We're not going to have another okay. Alien 3 mistake. Correct. I think it might be called like the exclusive edition or maybe uh, something like that. But yes. I'll look into it. Okay. Yes. The uncut special edition is what I am seeing online. Okay. Perfect. Well, great. Well, we will see you all in just a moment after we've watched The Abyss.
Hi, everyone. This is Caroline with How Have You Not Seen. Um, normally, this is where we would put an ad break, and um, we are going to direct you all um, starting in uh, with our 2024 season for the remainder of the season and hopefully not much longer after that, but who knows? Um, we are going to ask that in lieu of following one of our sponsor links, which we love and we're so thrilled to have them, um, we are going to ask you all to head over to PCRF.net. That is the Palestine Children's Relief Fund. Um, and if you are a fan of the show, if you're listening to the show and you're hearing this and you do have some money to spare, uh, we are going to ask that um, in this time you send some money over there. That would really mean a lot to us. As such, we are also going to be donating all of our uh, January Patreon funds um, to the PCRF as well. We just really think that uh, at this time, that's something that's really important to do. So again, that is uh, PCRF.net. That is the Palestine children's relief fund anything you can give it all goes towards helping children on the ground in gaza and in the west bank and in palestine so uh thank you all so much uh for listening and we're going to get back to the show hey caroline you want to hear a quote from the abyss um yes yes i do whoever whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster and if you gaze long enough into an abyss the abyss will gaze back at you friedrich nietzsche said that he 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 sure did, and I like how uh, you used a quote that is quoted in this movie, but it is not a quote from this movie. And when you said, "Do I want to hear a quote from the Abyss?" what you meant is a different thing that's also called the Abyss. I see what you did there, and I here's, liked it. Here's what I did: is that I googled Abyss quotes, um, and it did not surprise surprise. I know that this is everyone's favorite movie, so it's really weird that it didn't immediately bring up quotes from this movie that we're talking about. It did, however, bring up, uh, it is going down into the abyss that we recover the treasures of life where you stumble, there lies your treasure. Joseph Campbell said that. I think that's yeah, that wise. also, Yeah, that also kind of checks out that that would come up. Um, I'm really interested Here's... in the fact that you said that you bring up the point of this being everybody's favorite movie because I, I, that's something I want, I, I want to touch on at some point but what were you gonna say this is uh uh this is not everyone's favorite movie i'm gonna i'm gonna go so far as to say that i watched this movie and i i pretty much love this movie i'm this movie's this movie is uh a a real feat of filmmaking this movie is i think my letterboxd review is that this movie is like what if you made a film adaptation of the word hustle like <laughs> it is it is that powerful um i completely understand why this is the james cameron movie that time forgot i get it 100% see i have the exact opposite take which is i watch this movie <laughs> and literally i do not understand how this is not um just like when people talk i i don't understand how this isn't just like the movie people discuss kind of period like <laughs> you're like why is it citizen kane and not the abyss <laughs> less why is it citizen why is it citizen kane and more like okay like i get it i do get it and what i'm about to say is hyperbole but like why is it Star Wars or Jurassic Park? Why is it not The Abyss? And I actually understand the reasonings behind those things in terms of like yeah. Star Wars came sooner and was more revolutionary and, uh, uh, and 
uh, Jurassic Park was using a different technology, but like, why when we talk about like the best special effects films of all time and ones that still hold up and just like, well, you want to see a real like an effects driven movie that like uh, still looks great. Like, why is this not the first like and, and I and don't get me wrong. I love this movie. I love I like I love these movies. They are literally my favorite movies of all time. I kind of don't understand mm-hmm. why when we talk about movies that still fucking hold up like I don't understand why the Lord of the Rings is in the conversation um, more than the Abysses. And that is my favorite movie ever made. Yes, yes. I have an answer for that. Are you ready for my answer? Uh, Those are better Uh, movies. (laughs) Well, okay. Here's No, here's my answer. And this is kind of a joke, but I think it's serious too. Which is that uh, Star Wars has Han Solo and Leia Organa in it. And The Lord of the Rings has uh, Gimli and Legolas in it. And this movie has Virgil Bug Brigman and Dr. Lindsay Brigman in it. And that, I, don't I don't care about those two people as much as I care about Han Solo and Leia Organa, okay? That's fair. That is fair. Um, speaking of which, speaking of mm-hmm. Bud Brigman and, uh, and Lindsay, Lindsay Brigman, we've got a, a little game to get back to. We, do, we yes. played a, a quick game of Recast It. And, oh, uh, God. We... <laughs> and... Um, for Ed Harris, do you remember who you picked, Carson? Because it was Alec I Baldwin. I love it. I love it. No notes. Uh, it simply doesn't work at all. And <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, imagine, I imagine now. Imagine in the year twenty twenty four, knowing what we know now about Alec Baldwin. If there was a clip of Alec Baldwin just slapping a very wet woman in a movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, and what if that very wet woman was uh, Mary Steenburgen? Which I also don't think works. I think no, she's I think great. great. I think it's perfect. I don't think so. I don't think, I don't think she's the stone cold bitch of the universe. I think that she is the... Or the queen queen bitch bitch of the the universe. universe. The queen bitch of the universe. I don't, here's my take, is that I don't really necessarily think that Mary Elizabeth Mastriano is the queen bitch of the universe either, which is a bit of a problem I I have with this movie. Okay, first of all, I think that you are wrong um, in terms of it being a problem with the movie. I don't feel like she actually is, but I absolutely feel like when she steps out of the helicopter in those high heels and that, like... I don't even know what to call that dress that um that mm-hmm. like that 80s future space military dress um and when she's you know I I think I think it's very easy to see why people think that this character is the queen bitch of the universe when really she uh is is not we'll Deep down. we'll get back to it we'll get back to it um yes and yeah. lastly, instead of Michael Bean, who tragically ends his uh, his uh, career as uh, James Cameron's number one woman respecter uh, with the Abyss, uh, he does not reprise the role of guy who listens to the woman. Uh, no. Uh, you you selected uh, Edward Norton, which was pretty I young, but could have done this. I don't either. He would have been nineteen, so a little young for a little young for the rank of Michael Bean's character is the thing, as a yes. lieutenant coffee. But if this could have been alive and a marine at the time, if this movie was made ten years later, Edward Norton would be that role. 
he would have that big old mustache and he'd be freaking out about nukes and aliens. Um, Ed, Ed, Ed Harris is weird because you would expect a more traditional leading man in this role. If this was uh, the late nineties, like you're like, we're going to slot in Brad Pitt, you know? Well, that's, that's, um, it's a really interesting point that you bring up because James Cameron had to fight for Ed Harris. And even James Cameron says, I didn't originally, uh, think of Ed Harris in this role, but he auditioned and it just made sense. I mean, he feels like a, he feels like a very working class, yeah. uh, oil, oil, oil rig guy. Um, and James Cameron oh, he's had to good. the studio for him a little bit. Uh, the studio I wanted agree somebody with a little bit more, more traditional. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. I'm just, uh, again, it's one of the things about this movie that makes it a really odd blockbuster is that it's two leads do not really cleanly fit into the archetypes that you necessarily expect them to. Right. But, uh, yeah, so I, well, there's our game of recast it. Kirsten, tell me about your experience watching this movie. So I watched this movie and yeah. Yeah. So I watched this movie. It was beautiful. Uh, It is very, very good to look at. We uh, got the code for the 4k special edition and it is uh, magnificent. Um, I, I thought the first like third of this movie is kind of, I'm trying to think of a word that's not like overly, Critical. I think the first third of this movie is a little boring in a way that the opening chunks of James Cameron's movies tend not to be. Mm-hmm. I think to me, all the story prob like all the third act problems in this movies are first act problems. Um, I do think that I'll like it better upon the second watch because I know these characters and I know what's going on and what's going to happen. Uh, but I was very bored for the first like 45 minutes. I was like, where is this going? Okay, this is very, very pretty to look at. These sets are amazing to the point where like I would, we texted about this a bit, but like my main experience of watching this movie is that I would see something happen on screen and I'd go, whoa, holy shit. And then I'd think about like, wait, okay, if that's the image that is being shown, then where is the camera that is shooting this image? And how is it there? Yeah, like how is it underwater, or even just around this much water, or in a set this small? Yeah, well, I would okay. I would love to actually discuss some of that because I, uh, yeah. very pun intended, did a bit of a deep dive on finding yes. you know some of the special features, some of the featurettes from the various releases it's had over the years, and like some publicity stuff. I also watched. Uh, there was a screening last year at um, I want to say it was a Beyond Fest. Uh, where Cameron did a 45-minute Q&A, the whole of which is on YouTube. I highly recommend um, checking that out. I, I did a lot of a lot more research than I normally do, I should say. And sure. I want to tell you a little bit about how they made this movie because um, I kind of watched this movie and was like, well, they got a bunch of submarines and they made the movie about submarines. And that in and of itself was kind of a amazingly mind-blowing feat. Mm-hmm. And then I watched a lot of the special features and a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I was even so much more impressed than just even watching it because I think 
and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. Um, I was so surprised by how much model work was actually done in this film. Like how much of this sure. is models, including some of the people. Um, like there are shots of Ed Harris when he's falling down the abyss where they it's actually a one like 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 one twelfth scale doll of Ed Harris. And like watching it in 4K, I never yeah. I, I like I was like I was like, no, that's just like they just they just like he they dropped him in a tank ten times and played it from, you know, and and just put them all together so it looks like he's falling. It's like, no, they built a giant abyss and dropped a one twelfth scale Ed Harris, like three stories. That's fucking insane. But that's crazy. The main okay. So the main way that they shot this film, the main sound stage or wet stage, I think is what they called it. Um, because it's, I mean, it's, it's so wet. Stage. It's so um, wet. So they found there is an area, uh, there was a place where they they somebody was building a nuclear power plant, and then the project got scrapped. Like they just never opened it. Yeah. And so what this film is primarily filmed in is a 7.5 million gallon tank that was supposed to be like the coolant for a nuclear reactor in order to fill 7.5 million gallons into this tank it took 5 days to pump enough water into this tank to fill it to the top that is how big this thing is furthermore the way that they got it like black because you know even even a hundred feet down below the water is not pitch black mm -hmm. they got a giant tarp like larger than a football field that they could cover this thing with and even that didn't do it totally and also they needed the actors to be able to come up out of the water at any point you know in case of emergency right like you can't be stuck or something exactly so they got tens of millions of little tiny black beads that they covered the surface of the water with so no light could penetrate so they're you know 20 30 40 50 feet under the underwater but it is truly truly pitch black under there and every light you see in this film is a real practical light they had to like bring underwater and to light the thing with because it is truly pitch black and they did I'm not that surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Everyone, I, this movie reminds me a lot of Mad Max Fury Road in that I was watching it. I was like, this is amazing. And then I thought about it for about 10 minutes and I went, the experience of making this movie must have been nightmarish. Because every yes. single person on screen is a little bit wet all of the time. And like that is that is the stereotypical thing about movie production is like just don't work with, you know, children, animals or water. I think it's honestly I think it is the only re I mean, the only like traditional like Cameron plot element that he does not incorporate into this movie is like child in danger. And I got to think I'm like, that's just because you can't put that on top of. Right. You just simply could not bring a yeah. child into <laughs> this, this work environment. I just simply real real danger yeah yeah but some other things some other very quick things about this production is um the helmets that you see them wearing were they had to be developed for this film because like think about it like a diver like if yeah, you're scuba diving you can't yeah. see somebody's face and there's no practical no. reason why they would need that so that technology just didn't exist 
and Cameron was like, we need to see their face. So they put like hundreds of, of like, you know, of, uh, I, I actually don't know how long it took, but like they put all of this time and money and R and D into developing a scuba helmet that was actually functional, that they could actually put microphones in. Um, and all of like, this is a film. Uh, I found an interview with James Cameron that, uh, where he said that this is the first time, this is the first time in film history that there has been dialogue that was recorded underwater. Like that there have been scenes where actors go underwater and are talking and the dialogue is practically recorded in that take. Like the dialogue of that actor speaking does not later have to be 80 yard in. They are actually speaking and can actually do scene work underwater for the first time in history. Yes, of course, because any sane individual would hear like, ah, well, we need to record somebody talking underwater and go, no, that's way too hard. Why would you do that? There's no point. Yes. Um, Jim said no. Jim said no. Yep. And uh, yeah. And so uh, I I would highly recommend it. Carson, I would highly recommend this to you. I'd also highly recommend anybody who's listening to go just like look up. You can just go to YouTube and type in like, the making of the abyss, like abyss special features. And I highly recommend looking at actual, like actual official things that like James Cameron and 20th century Fox have put out because there's a lot of, um, Carson, you mentioned that this, uh, film must have been held to. There's a lot of speculation. There is a lot of rumor about how much Ed Harris hated making this movie um, how much Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio apparently hated this movie. She does not give interviews about it. She probably did hate it. But I would caution folks to pay less attention to the hour-long YouTube videos about how much they hated this movie. And actually just look at some of the some of the interviews with the people who made mo- the models for this film because it's truly, truly astounding. The work that went into this thing. Yeah, the the practical lighting. I wondered exactly that about the uh, about the helmets because I, I I kept thinking, wait no, if you had a helmet on, like it would be obscured because you'd be breathing, you wouldn't be able to see past the the foam of your breath, and like the image of their face isn't warped at all. Like how? I mean, and it that, looks that's another thing. It doesn't look like it's a trick. Yep, that's another thing that they had to do was find ways to make it so that a um like the the helmets weren't fogging up and. B mm-hmm. that the um that the camera and the lights were not reflecting on off of the mask so that like because if yeah. you look there's no there's no scene where like you know Michael Bean looks up and then like the lighting from the you know from the lighting rig is then there's no glare there is no glare and that was another thing that they had to contend with so all of this was developed for this film and it works that's the thing it's like I watched yeah. Prometheus a movie I don't particularly love, but a movie I think like, oh, very cool spacesuit design. That's awesome mm-hmm. that like they designed a costume that looks that way. But this film, they designed costumes that looked that way and actually enabled the actors to go 40 feet underwater and do dialogue scenes. Yes. And not yeah. fog up their, not fog up their face masks or have glares on their faces. We have talked about this on I don't know about on the main feed, but certainly on the Patreon last year. I mean, uh, it makes Avatar The Way of Water, a movie that I love, that I like more than this movie even, uh, it makes the technical achievements of that movie look kind of simplistic and easy. 
It's like, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, when you can do most of this on green screen, it's like, yeah, what? okay, whatever. The cast all learned how to hold their breath for a minute and a half. Sure, fine. Whatever. Like, th- th- you can just do it in a big tank that's surrounded in green screen. You don't actually need to build a fucking nuclear reactor sinkhole. Okay, can we, t- let's talk about yes. the plot of this movie, because that is the, let's the part do it. that makes this not a perfect masterpiece to me. Okay. So it starts with there is a submarine that's like a military submarine. Uh, I'm reading it right now. It's the U- it's an Ohio class submarine. Cool, where we're from. Hey, what up? USS Montana. Uh, so that's fun. Um, they have an encounter with something. Ooh, very mysterious. What are they? What are they encountering? And it sinks, and everybody goes down. It's very. Uh, it's pretty in- engaging. Cold open. Yep. Um, I I I think. We will get to it later, but I think the element of the undersea alien society is very odd in this movie. And the fact that that is the mystery that is being set up by that scene uh, is weird. But uh, good cold opening. Very, very scary. Very spooky. Um, This movie definitely reinforced the idea that being underwater in a submarine would be so scary and bad. And why would anyone ever do that? We then cut to... Okay, here's the other thing, is because during the movie, I would get so caught up in the, like, how the hell did they film this? I would then, like, forget to pay attention to what to pay attention, yes, on screen. And, like, then I would, I would focus back in, and what they'd be talking about is, like, well, this is the, you know, the SEAL team's going to come onto the drilling platform. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, Bud, Bud, you know, Bud, Bud Brigman, he's the captain of the drilling platform. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this is, what it's like, a drilling rig. And it goes underwater to do uh, drilling, and and I and I kind of realize like okay, there's a crew. It's the classic Cameron crew, very colorful group of individuals, all of whom are really cool, in in true Jim Cameron fashion. Um, and then you know, uh, Queen Bitch of the Universe <laughs> comes by, and they used to be married. And I'm like, great, great setup, incredible setup. You know, she it, it comes out later. She built the thing. And I didn't even, I think, again, I think I missed the original dialogue regarding this. But she built the rig. He is the captain of the rig. So they both feel some kind of ownership of it. In some ways, it is the child that they bore together where they never actually had human children. And they used to be married and they fell in love in a very similar situation to the situation that they're in now. But now they hate each other because... Because, you know, he's so stubborn and he needs to be a stone-cold leader. And she's such a fucking ice queen. Despite the fact that I really don't think that her performance is screaming ice queen very much ever. Um, but, like, so they're, you know, they're, they're going to be butting heads the entire movie. And, and you can, in, like in many, you know, James Cameron movies, you can see where that's going. You can see, oh, well, they will eventually find their way back to each other. They will find the value they have in each other's lives. I, I, I wanted more of the two of them you know, much ado about nothing in around the boat. And I wanted less of the like, well, these are the seals and the seals don't get along with the crew, the, the, the crew. And, uh, that we're going to drown. I mean, and it becomes important later, but like, we're going to drown the rat in the water that you can breathe. And this is the, the, the breather water, but you know, the captain of the seals, Michael Bain, Ooh, he's a little rough and tumble because I mean, ah, we're worried about Russia, I guess. Maybe this was Russia. Who knows? Yeah, I got but... a little. I got a little lost in all that. 
I'll be honest. Okay. Maybe it's me being stupid, but I, I got a little lost in that. In a way that I find Jim's Cam- James, James Cameron's movies <laughs> to be so absurdly clear in terms of their plot. I find all of his movies are so goddamn plot efficient. Yeah. This one was yeah. not. Yeah. I, okay. I, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, and especially upon rewatch, like when I know everything that's coming, um, it is certainly, I mean, it's probably Cameron's clunkiest. Here's all of the information you need to know. Mm-hmm. And nothing he does in, in those spots you know like the estranged marriage the thing with like lieutenant coffee being you know they set up that he's gonna get fucking i don't know like underwater madness whatever they call it um you know they set that up they set up the he goes sea mad he gets sea madness (laughs) yeah exactly um and you know there's that and um you know the thing with the the breathable the breathable fluid you know um those are all things that do come up later and do all need to be set up. And mm-hmm. I feel like when they come up later, you're like, oh yeah, right. I remember that. Like, good. I know what that is um, in a way that Cameron's very good at. Um, but also I, I, I will grant you that most of the time in Cameron's movies, um, most of the time in Cameron's movies, those scenes don't just happen so that later you can recall them. And I think that especially the scene with the rat, well, it's kind of cool. It's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it is one of those things where, like, you do kind of watch it the first time. And, yeah, like, it doesn't come back up until it needs to come back up, right? And, like, most of the time, Cameron's pretty good at dazzling you with his left hand so you don't realize all of the information he's spoon-feeding you with his right. Yes. And I think this is the film of his that he definitely does just kind of be like, okay, shut up and eat your vegetables. Like, like you need, you need to eat these now. So you're strong when we get to the, you know, kind of in the way that like, kind of in the way that Nolan is always derided for like the first half of a Nolan movie is him just spitting information at you that he can just push the on button for the back half of the movie. And then the machine goes burr and like Mm -hmm. you stand up and applaud at the end. But that is a very Nolan thing, and that's not a very Cameron thing. Cameron's a lot better at kind of giving you the razzle-dazzle with it all. So, yeah, I think I, I think that you can kind of grade Cameron a little more harshly in the first half of this movie because you're kind of grade, grading him on his own curve. But, yes. Yeah. the Partially that, and also... Um... And I did. I, I began to let... Once they, like, fully sink and... Coffee goes fully sea mad. Um, I the, the alien shows up. I I I find the element of the alien to be. Uh, I get it. I understand why it's there. I see what Cameron is trying to do to do with the underwater alien society. Uh, I don't think it's the most well integrated um, plot element, and I think that the fact that half the CGI looks for 1989 looks fucking incredible. And some of it for 2024 looks pretty damn good. Yeah. But some of it looks bad enough that compared to the absolutely dazzling practical special effects, it is so incongruent that it becomes distracting. 
See, that is okay. one of the things about the alien. You know, basically everything post the water alien showing up. I'm like, all right, now the movie's going. Now we're into it. Now I'm really engaged with everything that's happening. But See, that I, the actual water alien is a little a little uh, <laughs> weird. Okay, on the one hand, you're not wrong. On the other hand, mm. though, as somebody who saw this for the first time, not on the 4K remaster. Um, I was watching it this time and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I was so harsh on that effect. That effect is incredible. Like, um, sure. because I will say if you watch and, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is one of the first times we've done this and I don't know, I don't know why we haven't done this in the past, but it was very smart and good. Uh, we bought the, um, we bought the 4k digitally, uh, like mm -hmm. on the podcast's Google account. Um, so that we both had access to it instantaneously. And I texted you and I was like, hey, by the way, I'm 20 minutes into the abyss. And if you boot it up on Google, like if you just hit play, it's gonna it's gonna start at 1080p. Um, you have to manually change it to 4K. Um, and I realized that because I was like, sitting there watching it, and I was just like, like, you know, I've seen this movie before and it doesn't like this doesn't feel like a like an upgrade or a remaster from what I've seen. This feels like an upscale of what I have seen. And then I went into my settings and I realized it was just playing an upscale of the DVD, the one that had been available for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, as somebody who has seen a seen this in 480p, because literally until recently, unless you bought it digitally, the only way you could view it was on a DVD. Um. I was watching it this time and I'm like, holy shit, this looks incredible. Like for 1989, yes, but like, I'm just like, son of a bitch. He did it again. Mad James Cameron's done it again. And yeah, when I say again, I mean good. 25 years ago, but, or 35 years ago, rather, but. Well, to, to tie those two things together, like I, th I, I was thinking a lot, even after it happened about like, okay, so the tendril of water, which is the, like the third, I, I guess the third time that you are now, you're realizing that this is an alien because you have, um, oh, the really big crew man. I don't, they all have great names. I don't remember his exact name, but the really, the really like uh, physically large crew. Cameron does do the thing that he does in a lot of great movies, which is like, okay, there's a whole crew and every one of them has like one defining feature that is, mm -hmm. you, you just understand who they are. You get what's going on with them. The really big crew man has, uh, sees something. And because they have put so much work into, well, we have made this entire undersea set pitch dark. And as you said, Caroline, you know, we're using practical lighting. It's only coming from one, one area. You get that like soft blue lighting that's coming on him from the left side of the screen. And it's really unsettling and weird and alien because you're like, I know where light should be coming from in this space and it shouldn't be there and it shouldn't be that color. Um, that is great. All the stuff where they're suggesting at the aliens is really incredible. Um, and then when the tendril of CGI water comes into the rig, it's a little odd and it doesn't, they've built this like brilliantly well-realized, really incredibly detailed set and it stands out in a way that I don't think is great. And then especially you get like, then the actors interact with the water and it is really good it is not like roger rabbit level levels of good but it's pretty well timed clearly a lot of effort went into it but 
you can't help shake the fact that these actors have been covered in water for this entire movie. And I know what it looks like when they touch water. And that's not them touching water. That's them touching CGI nothing. Yeah, it is a little Taylor Swift's best album. CGI nothing? It's a little 1989. That's my joke. That's that's my joke. Thank you for thank you for laughing. Um, I will take my Mark Twain prize for humor in cash or check. Uh, I assume that's a monetary award. Um, But yes, it's a little 1989. But um, yes, I I mean mean, it's really well supported. Like, and then you know, coffee cuts the damn thing, and then it. I'm still like, and then it it falls. And there's a splash of water that accords to where the CGI was in the room. And there's no cut. There's no visible cut. And I'm like, how right. the fuck did they do that? Like, I'm still thinking, like, how did they do that? And it looks bizarre because it goes from CGI to real water like that. But it's super impressive. That is the magic of the movies, baby. Um, yeah. A thing that I like about this movie is um, this is like eight different movies in a good oh yeah it, it is it's such a lodestone for cameron's career in that way too because there's a little bit of all of his other movies in it as well yes because like legit like i think i really do think just because of the i, I think because of the sheer technical mastery that is this movie like the sheer technical like i don't even want to say spectacle because i don't think it's I think weirdly this movie, like a lot of the effects in this movie are a little undersung. You know what I mean? Like in mm-hmm. terms of like, I don't know. Like, I guess if you, I feel like if I showed this movie to my dad, right. A guy who like does not give a shit about any of this, a guy who could yeah. not be bothered to care less to consider how a movie is made. I feel like he'd be like, it was a little long and I didn't like the alien because like, I think yes. in my dad's mind, in my dad's mind, well, if it's a movie about submarines, I should see submarines and the submarines should look good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But like, just because of the sheer technical, like, cause so I don't want to say spectacle because like, I don't think it's whiz bang. I just think it's fucking gumption. Um, yeah. But like, I, in terms of just the sheer technical, like astonishing uh, feat that is this film, I think you can kind of take any of the subplots and like you could just make a 90 minute movie with this level and people would probably still be kind of like, yeah, pretty good A plus. Like if it was just a movie about they have to go and find the submarine and like mm-hmm. there's a little bit like the third act is a little bit more Titanic y where they're in the, the submarine and there's things that go wrong. Like that sequence is so horrifying. It's so upsetting. Um, it's so claustrophobic and so yeah. like intense that like you could make like that could be a movie. It could be a movie about, you know, there is a nuclear submarine that goes down and then there's a standoff between like the the military guys who, you know, who get a whiff of power and like want to abuse it versus like the everyman who just like wants to, you know reconnect with his wife and go home right like it could be just Mm -hmm. a movie about being stranded at the bottom of the ocean because you were in an oil rig and then a storm hit it could be a movie about a crew who goes like a deep sea crew who encounters some aliens that live in the mariana trench right like it could be any of these movies and instead it's all of them and it is so good 
It could be a movie about there is a nuclear, a nuclear bomb falls to the bottom of the Marianas Trench, which is like not a place that we could ever get to it. However, it is close enough that like it will have devastating effects if it goes off. So we have to get to it. Yeah, that could be the movie. Instead, yeah. it is all of those movies. It could be Cameron doing E.T. slash Close Encounters, but underwater this time. That could be the movie. But instead, it is you, all of those you, movies. You you clearly see him, like, wanting to make that. Because like I said this before, other than Child in Trouble, it has every single Cameron trope in it. And I think the one that, like, is the least effective is the, like, normal human makes friend with, like, benevolent alien. We just talked about Terminator 2. That's a great, yes. I mean, that is the first and first and maybe best version of that Cameron trope is the like, hey, what if a kid made friends with a robot and the robot became slightly more human? Uh, you see it in fucking Way of Water. I mean, honestly. Yeah, both the avatars, feels, yeah. I, I feel obviously so much of this goes into Titanic, but in terms of story, a lot of this gets turned into Way of Water. Like the, 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 the Tolkien friendship, is a much better version of what uh, Mastriani has with the the water alien. There is like this suggestion at like, ah, oh, she has a connection with him. They can touch, but there's not really, because the movie's serving so many different like story masters, as you're saying, like, I don't really think it ever has time to settle into that. But counterpoint, it all rules. No, it's all good. Yeah, it's just not like a, perfect fine-tuned machine like all the other Jim Cameron movies are no narratively it's certainly not but I do feel like in terms of just like a movie that I sit down and watch like I, I kind of think it I kind of think it works from top to bottom like there's not a moment that I yeah. feel myself tuning out because it's just so engaging yeah and all the stuff that's great is like really 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 great um yeah I mean and the whole I I, I do and I know a lot of it I, I a lot of it is just in the special special edition. I think the almost contact esque ending of this movie. I think a big reason. I think you said it exactly. A big reason why this is like the least well remembered and least popular Cameron movie is that the ending goes so heavy on the alien stuff. Well, it's and funny the because that's like, all the special edition stuff. Yeah, that's I kind of read into that. And there's a little bit from what I can tell, there's a little bit of that in the end. Um, but I, I just imagine like, again, if you're your dad or like any average moviegoer, I think you walk away from that movie going like, I guess that movie was about a like I would imagine most moviegoers. You, the fact that the ending takes such a hard right turn into there is an underwater undersea alien society. I think that really kind of makes a lot of people forget what the movie's actually about. Yeah. So um, a quick a quick thing about that. So I, I've not seen the theatrical edition, but I, but I believe mm -hmm. if I understand it correctly, the the way the theatrical release works is um, like he goes down to the bottom to uh, to defuse the bomb. And basically they're like, thanks for defusing the bomb. Thanks for like not blowing us all up. You're a good dude, so we're gonna save you, basically. Um, yeah. In the special edition, which is essentially the director's cut, it's called the special edition, but it is the one mm -hmm. that Cameron like lobbied for to go back and do. It's got the whole thing of like, you know, basically like 
in being so selfless and sacrificing himself at Harris, like saves ever it saves the world because they were like, because they were basically like, oh shit, these guys are gonna like kill us all. Like it's the ending that we see, right? And according yeah, to yeah, Cameron, yeah. according to Cameron, the the reason it sh- it shook out that way is because when they were screening it, when they were doing the test screenings, the effects for like the big wave sequences weren't done. So there was just kind of like placeholder storyboards, basically. And so like the the test audiences were like watching these scenes of like Ed Harris, like watching the news. And then it was just like sketched storyboards of like giant waves like coming up and people hated it because it wasn't a, a complete film. Like they were they were sure. like, oh, that the ending's really weird. Like the ending's like, like, what is that ending? And he's like, he's like, and so the the version with the the wave sequence t- tested worse in the theatrical cut and then they so they cut it and they put out the theatrical cut and everybody's kind of having that reaction that you're talking about is like i guess it's about aliens like what is this movie and then he was yeah. like i guess the lesson i learned was uh, don't show people an unfinished movie and ask what they think of the movie yeah, two thing, two things. One, I think you could uh I think you could just leave the tsunami out. I don't like it. Uh I don't think it looks great and um I think it is I really like that the movie starts with them on land for a very brief moment and I like the idea of we end the movie so so briefly they have now come back to the surface. And the majority of it is just in that bubble underwater. I think yeah shifting to different different characters like bystanders feels so weird just the changing color palette feels really jarring and i think it takes away from how jarring the end of it could be in, in a good way jarring is maybe not the right word. uh who i think you say ed harris uh saves the world with his selflessness i think i might contend that i think that the theme of this movie is that James Cameron says, look, if you just love your ex-wife enough. Oh, yeah, 100%. I know, 100%. The most powerful love that someone can feel is a man's love for his ex-wife. Right. No, sorry. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying is, uh, is that was kind of the theatrical cut. Is, like, he goes down and diffuses the bomb. And then they're like, oh, thanks for saving us, bro. Like, we'll take you back up. But, yeah. like, in this one, yeah. No, literally, I have my notes right here. And uh, one of my final notes that I wrote down is just the words, value your wife and you save the world, actually. Yeah, it's, I, we, we've talked about it a bit in this series, and it's this well-known thing about James. I mean, obviously, he's had, what, he's on his fourth, fourth wife? Mm-hmm. But we long, seems to have long, stuck long with like, 25, long I want to say, like, 25, they, they met on the set of Titanic, if, if I understand correctly, and, uh. Got a couple of kids together. Got a nice big way of water style family. Kind of, yeah. kind of, you know, uh, family of, uh, you know, of Navi, foster of children. Steve and yeah, like, or just like, you know, kids from other marriages who aren't, they're, they're not all biological, but God damn it. They've got this big family. Yeah. Uh, Cameron stick together, of course. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> like from other marriages, other folks, people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like Together. Cameron has largely married Linda Hamilton and uh, like 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 actors and like people that work in the same industry as him, seemingly because like he just needs to find someone who is like at least almost his equal in terms of like artistic output and like sheer force of will. 
And that is such like a behind the scenes thing that I think you can really read into a lot of Cameron's movies. I think watching this movie, there are moments when I'm like, yo, Jim, this is like a little bit too real. Like, real, like bud reel it back. Like this feels well, and especially too autobiographical, my man. Yeah, I mean, like, because let's be real, like, this is fairly autobiographical, right? Like, yeah. The. This is him and Catherine person... Like, this is what, th- that's what this is. No, no, no this, this is, is him and like, Galen Hurd, my guy. This is, sure, this is sure. him oh, and Galen sure. yes. This is, this is which... James Cameron, the guy who, <laughs> the guy who pilots the ship that she built. You're right. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. Fuck. I, like, I, that's what I was, that's what I was married... driving toward. He married oh, his a producer, producer and then an actress and then a director. He's like, I'll eventually I'll find one that works. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, and yeah, and it's 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 uh you know, there is I mean, it really is, you know, like I mean, I don't work in film production, I don't work in this, but I work in video production. And the two people who yeah. are put in charge of projects at my studio is there's a director and there's a producer. And it's yeah, one of them, and it's just like it's like those are the two people. And uh, those are the two people that are on every single project. And uh, that's kind of the thing here is it's, um, you know, you have, he marries his producer and they are the top two people on their productions. Is And then same thing too with the sprig is it's the woman who designed it and like brought it into this world and the guy whose job it is is to make sure it works and to make sure it does the yeah. thing it's supposed to do. <laughs> And without one of those two people, the other person's work is completely worthless. You need both in order for either of them to have any any value in this operation. Exactly. And it leads and into not have one is, without the other. Maybe the the best sequence in the movie, I think, is the two of them, the two of them chasing after coffee. That's a great action action sequence. Um, him. Oh man, when his his the submarine implodes. Oh, oh my so god. Good. And Great the thing death. the thing the thing that I the thing that I love about James Cameron is he knows so much about all of this. Mm-hmm. That like I have like looked up, well I guess I haven't looked up, but I saw a bunch of stuff about like so like what happened to the Titan submersible, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens to Coffee's ship in this in this movie is like literally exactly what everybody says. Like if you have a small, like tiny manned underwater craft, if there is a breach and it gets depressurized, like that is exactly like every single, every single like simulation or like rendering of what that must have looked like looks exactly like what his ship looks like like to a t and like i i don't know like i mean i don't want to get too into that uh or really into that at all but it's just like sure i i'm not i'm not sitting here laughing about the titan submersible though i'm not gonna say i've not done that in my life i am laughing at james cameron's just meticulousness in getting it to crush in from the from the glass and having it implode on itself violently and have all of the air uh, come out of it and then just have nothing nothing is left yeah because that's exactly yeah, what I, happens I, I, I mean look Cor- Corey said it when we were talking about T2 but like there is a reason that when the Titan Submersal went down every single news channel cut to uh, James Cameron film director activist and like 
I guess if there's anyone in the world who could tell us what would happen if a submarine went this yeah. low, just like it just would like, be this guy, like the preeminent like sole expert in in small submersibles, like thing. in the small yeah, like, submersibles, like sure, mm-hmm. like you know, sure NASA could probably give us some more, like the Navy could give us like some whatever, but like the guy who knows everything about like little tiny subs that can fit two to four people james cameron yeah. ladies and germs like uh, uh so, so it's the best sequence to get back to it, the best sequence in the movie i think is the that chase and then the two of them trapped and and oh. both that it is finally the two of them the turn that you've been waiting for the entire movie of they are now admitting that they still have feelings for each other because they're in this situation and that they, not only that they have feelings but like goddamn they respect each other like they are, they are also equals. They have both done their jobs so incredibly well. That's the other, the other thing about it. And the desperation of oh shit, and it's and it's these because it's these two people who know exactly what situation they're in. They both know that they're fucked, but both of their minds immediately turn to okay, what are our options here? Like we we can't get too caught up in the panic of this because if we do, we we're definitely done. Like we need, we need to, you know, utilize what we have. And they have that really excellent conversation between the two of them where he's trying to give her the helmet. And it's so sad and it's so interesting and it's so well acted between the two of them. And the, the tension between like, they both know that they're bone and they both know that this is a chance. And like, and they both know that they both know that. Like they both know like we're the two smartest, smartest and most accomplished people here and we both know exactly what this is. And we both know exactly about how, how we feel about each other. Yep. It, yes. It's heartbreaking. Intense. And, and yes. really scary. And yeah, watching and her I, slowly get more and more, like letting herself get panicked. Like she's like, I'm only going to let myself get panicked after I'm, I've convinced him to do this because it's the one hope that we have. That was exactly the thing that I wanted to say about both like yeah. the story and the performance is like the thing of like, she's just like, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. What we have mm-hmm. to do, you have to let me drown mm-hmm. and then you swim me back. And it is a gamble, but like you are the stronger swimmer. And yep. like we are in such low temperatures that like, you know, my, my, my body will still be fully like intact. Like no, mm-hmm. like no signs of degeneration or anything will begin to happen. I can be resuscitated for up to 10 minutes. You can get me there in seven. And like, they're like, okay, we have the plan. And then even though we have the plan and like as a movie going audience, like it's extremely tense and it's extremely like harrowing to watch, but like we're watching a movie and it's the main Mm -hmm. guy who's reconnecting with the main girl. Like if you, if you were to pause it right in that moment and be like, do you think Mary Elizabeth Mastry Antonio is going to, gonna gonna survive i think 99 mm-hmm. out of 100 people would say the and i quote obviously period yeah yeah like, yeah of course but like the fact that like they they get the plan and they're like okay let's go we've got a plan and then she starts freaking out because she is still like yep. literally like dying and her body is betraying her mm-hmm. is incredible like it's such a good yeah. detail it's such a good thing um and then a more practical detail I want to just mention again is um, that is not Ed Harris swimming with a dummy, my friend. That is him swimming with Mary Elizabeth. 
and there is behind the scenes footage of how they did this. And it's like, she goes down with a diver who's giving her a respirator. Like there's like a guy basically who's like, you know, one of the PAs or well, probably way higher than a PA because it's literally like he's a trained scuba diver who has these people's yeah, lives. I hope the guy's his... paid more than that. <laughs> right. But like yeah. his job is Mary Elizabeth oxygen holder. Right. And like mm-hmm. he's down there in full scuba and he swims down with her with her respirator. And then right before they call action. He gets out of the shot and she holds her fucking breath and Ed Harris swims with her to do the take and they call cut and this guy swims back up with the respirator and gives her her oxygen. And there is a, there is a footage you can find online of they do a take of Ed Harris swimming with her and you can't see her face. And then it's like they call cut and the guy comes up and gives her the mm-hmm. oxygen. And James is then directing and he's like, okay, we got to do another take. He's like, Mary Elizabeth, like, I couldn't see your face in that shot because we're underwater. Your hair is covering it. He's like, I need you to kind of like, in a way that is so believable that you are dead. Like, I need you. He's like, I need you to crane your neck a little bit more than is probably comfortable so that we can see your face so that we can like tell it's you basically. Because otherwise, why are we doing this? And then they do another take. And that scene of Mm. Ed Harris swimming with her it's fucking her, dude. Like, that is Ed Harris swimming with her, holding her, giving his dialogue under 20, 40, 50 feet of water. She's not wearing a scoop. It's it, it just, I just, I, I, I love this man. I love James Cameron. He yeah, is my God. He is he, my idol. That's why I love James Cameron. It's why I love movies in general, because it's very rare that I can hear something like that. And I go, wow, that's abusive. That should be illegal. And also, like, fuck, that's magic. Like, that that is as cool as anything's ever been. I do want to say that the the only accident that ever happened on this set, Mm -hmm. nobody got hurt. At least, like, nobody got, like, seriously injured. Like, I'm sure maybe somebody, like, you know, tweaked an ankle here or there or whatever. But, like, there were no accidents. The only one that happened was to James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, which he tells the story that's very funny. Um, but he just was given a bad respirator, and there was a moment when he was just suddenly like they're supposed to give you signs that you're running low, and there was mm-hmm. apparently a moment where he just ran out of oxygen, and oh. so he beelines it to the surface, and this is probably the most anybody got hurt, from what I understand from the, my behind the scenes deep dives, is um. <laughs> Some of the rescue divers, so, you know, they're not in, like, crazy deep of water, but still, they're underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going down. They're under different pressure. And if you go up too fast, that can have really negative impacts on you. So their rescue divers are, like, trained to not let you go up to the surface like that. And so <laughs> the rescue diver is holding James Cameron under the water. Like, you can't go up this fast. You can't go up this fast. And there's no way for James yeah. Cameron to tell him, I do not have oxygen. So James uh, punched him in the face and swam up to the surface. And he said that's the uh, worst anybody got hurt was when he punched one guy in the face because he was going to drown otherwise. And he's uh, great. I, I'm probably going to give it like another half star. I think the second time I watch it, just because I'll be more in its world. Um, yes. I'm very glad I watched. I'm very glad that I watched it now. I'm glad I watched this as an adult. I think had I watched this in high school, I would have been so put off by the beginning and also 
unappreciative of how difficult all of this was. But watching it this time, I was like, this is clearly the most difficult movie that's ever been made. I was like, how is everyone this wet? Yes. No, I literally, uh, I just like a thought that I had while watching it is just like, is the fact that every shot in this film is in focus. Like, does James Cameron just get a Nobel Prize for that? Like, yeah, the fact that none of this shit, it's so clear that none of this is coverage. Like, it's it's insane. What were you going to say? Oh, I want to briefly and then I want to end with something else. But like, and we're going to talk about this in a Patreon episode literally tonight. But like. I don't want to get into it, but I was talking to somebody about the, the the lack of a Greta Gerwig nomination for Best Director thing. And I said something about like, well, hypothetically, a movie could not get nominated for Best Picture and still get nominated for Best Director. I mean, not usually, but hypothetically. And they were like, what's a movie that you would do that for? And I'm like, I have no idea. I mean, again, it's hypothetical. Watch this movie. I was like, I, James Cameron, Best Director. I don't know that I feel good nominating this for Best Picture, though, necessarily. Sure. No, and I think because I the mean, production like, of it is such a task. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I mean that this film was nominated for four Academy Awards, um, all of which are probably uh, pretty pretty obvious. Uh, it gets and sound and yeah. it wins. It wins visual effects, um, and then it is also nominated for cinematography, um, art direction, and sound. Um, yeah. Which I want to look this up really quickly. What the fuck were what beat this for cinematography? Because I'm probably going to uh, the 1990 Oscars. Yeah, it's Glory, which is a pretty good looking movie. But I don't know if it's. Yeah. I mean, uh, but how? I don't know how you can make the argument that it's. I guess maybe. It's- This is the most technically intense yeah. cinematography of the year. Um, yes, sure. It loses production design to Batman, which, again, yeah, a similar vibe of like of like that shit's really good and it ends up looking great, but like, <sighs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just too abyss pilled right now because I just watched it. Yeah, like, I'm just like, how did how did this lose any of these awards? This is, I think the cinematography, or a lot of the production design in this feels very two degrees off of Aliens, whereas the production design in Batman is such a revelation and was, like, such an interesting reinterpretation of what if you took sure. expressions and turned it into pop cinema. Like, that. that is, look, I'm not the biggest Tim Burton fan in the world, but I do love that movie, and I do think that, that production design is, like, one of the greats in America, probably in the American cinematic canon um, because of that. Uh, okay, I yeah. want to, as we come to an end here, I, I want to ask you something. Yes. C- Cameron rankings. I've now seen every James Cameron movie. Um, yeah, I have as well, as long as we're not including Piranha 2, which he got fired off of. We're, uh, we're not, yeah, we're not including Piranha but 2. But yeah, let me, count. okay, let me, I, I actually have this as a letterbox list, because I do this for a lot of directors okay. for whom I've seen most of their filmographies. Um, do you have, do you have your list? I am thinking of it right now, and it is subject to change. I need to rewatch. I have not seen True Lies in many years, except for half of it I watched, like, a year ago. It's sure. probably my least favorite too, but I need to rewatch it. I think it. that's I think it's probably my least favorite as well. 
I'm going to um, say Oh god, cuz see I've just I've also watched both of the both of the Terminators really recently. Yeah. And I think those might need to change. Uh yeah, uh I'm going to edit this super fast but give me give me yours. I am having this is subject to change. I am deciding as to whether or not I like Titanic or Aliens more. Um, oh, that's that's. A, I mean, that's that's between you and God, very, my friend. I know it's hard. It probably depends on which one I I watched last. Um, I'm gonna because it's almost Valentine's Day. I'm gonna say Titanic, Aliens, Terminator Two, Terminator One, Avatar: Way of Water. The Abyss, Avatar, True Lies. Okay, interesting. Um, All of these movies are great. Yes, I would say every every single one of these films, except for True Lies, is like kind of an astounding masterpiece, and True Lies is like kind of bad, but pretty cool. (sighs) A very watchable summer blockbuster. If your biggest stinker is True Lies, then that is a great comedy. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, okay, so I'm. I am having the great I am having the great um the abyss versus uh glory the abyss versus uh batman uh discussion in my head right now of which 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 film do I rank higher the one that is way more technically proficient and unbelievable or just like the film mm-hmm. that I think kind of pulls off the thing really well mm-hmm. <sighs> because Basically, I am. I'm wondering if some of his films that I think the the um, special effects are so fucking unbelievable um, should go above the films that I just think like kind of rule more. Um, I am going to go with my heart and say in terms of just films that I like more. Aliens. Titanic. Sure. And actually, I did not. Uh, I did not mean to do this, but um, I am looking at my letterbox list, and they are in the exact same rank as what I rated them stars wise. So I guess that this is, is what I feel. Uh, even just like not trying to rank them, you know. I gave all of these film scores as I watched them over the last ten years. So I got Aliens, Titanic, The Abyss, Avatar: The Way of Water, Terminator Two, The Terminator. Avatar through lies. Wow, that the abyss is that high. I, 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 I don't think if you've ever heard me say anything about a a, a movie special effect. I, I, I mean, I, I that's true. If that's you've true. ever heard me say a complete sentence with the word practical effects in it, it doesn't matter true. what that sentence was. If you could, I, and look, um, I, I mean, we just watched the the, the two trailers yeah. for the show. Um, I love both of those movies. I'm very high on both of those movies. Um. The Abyss and The Abyss and Way of Water are just kind of more my kind of movie. They're just a little sure. bit more my speed. Terminator 2 is a film that I watch and I go, holy shit, this deserves every accolade it ever got. And I like it a bunch and I will watch it any day of the week. But like it is not a me it's not a me kind of movie. Yeah, I get that. I get Outside that. of the I, I would have in Cameron film. Yes. I think until the most recent because re- and I had not rewatched terminator since high school you remember that episode i think i would have certainly rated way of water higher than that until recent rewatch 
And I was so amazed yeah. by that rewatch. I was like, the, I, really I don't good. know if I made it clear in the episode how much I was like, wow, I, I thought this was a cool action movie. No, this movie is like a, a feat of writing. Like this is a, a yes. brilliant piece of fiction. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, like, I think, I think this rate, this rating or this ranking illuminates a lot about me. Um, in that, I might put Terminator One above Terminator Two. I'm sorry. I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I might, really? I might switch them. I might, yeah. I think that's heretical by most people's opinions, but I think Terminator One is so friggin' tight. I, I hey, we're talking personal taste. We're talking personal yeah. taste. And I mm-hmm. think, like, look, if you're looking at my James Cameron list, uh, I, it's okay. So it's Alien, Titanic, and The Abyss. Those are films that The Abyss I did not see until recently. But it is so in the mold of films that, like, Aliens and Titanic are two films that, like, shaped the way I view cinema. Like, they are films that I watched growing up. And, like, watching those films and appreciating those films informed my taste and the way I look at movies, right? Sure. Those are my top three. And then The Abyss falls so neatly into that mold, right? Um, Avatar The Way of Water is a film that um, I think if you were to put... There are many, 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 many films I like more than I like Avatar The Way of Water. But I think if you were to put everybody's opinion of Avatar The Way of Water and rank it on hottest to to, to least, uh, certainly I am hotter on those other films than I am on Way of Water. But I still think I'm in probably the top 10% of people on the planet who like Way of Water, right? I probably agree with you on that. Way of Water is pretty, I like that movie a lot. Um, yeah. Um, and then Terminator 2, The Terminator and Avatar are all films that I think are great. And are films that I sing praises all day, every day, and recognize them as generally masterpieces, um, and are just like good movies that I think are good that are out there and people should watch. And then True Lies exists. Maybe I put Way of Water above Terminator Two. I you don't think? know. I got to think about. Maybe wow, it's that's like interesting. So what? That puts, that puts what Terminator inches. Two at six for you? See, but that seems crazy. That, that, like, that seems crazy. insane because of how much I like Terminator 2. How good I think Terminator 2 is. That's exactly what I'm is. saying. It's a perfect, like, I, I don't know. It's weird because I do think of Terminator 2 and I'm like, that movie's perfect. There's nothing you could change about that movie to make it better. And I think Way of Water is like weirder and less perfect, but it is such a big, weird mess of a thing. And it's so emotional. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. I gotta think about it. Ranking art is um a fun exercise and completely futile yeah. and pointless in any kind of meaningful way. So true. Very true. Agreed. You can you can put those things wherever you want. You could say true lies is your favorite and like that's legal. Well you could do that it's if legal. you wanted to. <laughs> I don't think anybody would back you up on that decision, but it is legal. Um all right. Well that's I, I think that's it. I would uh, there are many other things I would talk about in this movie, but I think that's a good a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> I do too. Um we'll need to find some folks who have not seen because let's see, because we've done Jesus, we've mm-hmm. now done Aliens, Titanic, The Abyss, yeah, yeah. Terminator, and Terminator 2. So, you know, Callie, Callie, our social media manager in front of the show, has not uh not ever seen the Avatar movies, so maybe we'll need to bring her on. We can just Avatar do every James Cameron really... movie. Way of Water is less interesting of a movie for what our show is. I think Avatar is big. I would love to talk to somebody who has never seen Avatar and now is watching. 
because that thing has such a weird place in the culture. Carson, what are you talking about? Um, Avatar has not had any lasting cultural impact, period. You must not be on, you must not be on Twitter.com. Well, which that's is still what I want to talk about. Which is, which is still the URL that you have to type into your browser if you want to go to the platform that used to be called X, Twitter and is now yeah. ostensibly called another thing, but it's not. Um, I've been getting a lot of uh, emails that go straight to my spam folder, but they are from, uh, it says they're from X, and then in parentheses it says formerly Twitter. And I'm like, a name change is not a name change if you have to keep reminding everyone what the last name of the business was. That is I don't think incredible. it's effective. It's not going to take. Yeah, it's wild. Okay. Uh, Corey, would you like to tell the fine folks at home where they can find more of this podcast? Absolutely. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like us and subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. Leaving a review would also really help out the visibility of the show. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Pod. Special thank you to our patrons. If you'd like a shout out on the show and bonus content, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Pod. Thank you. Very, very much. Well, that's that's Camuary. That's it. It is Camuary. Ugh, Jimuary, Jamesuary. Mm, so we, good. We, I, I, I. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I have, I have always appreciated James Cameron. I've always loved James Cameron. Um, I am coming off so hot this month. Yeah. I'm so glad we did this. I'm, I'm um, glad you're feeling hot because you know what we're going into next month. Love month. It's love month. Yeah. Woo. Uh, for those of you who are new listeners, every February, uh, I do all the programming and I choose all movies that have to do with love. Because that's the or month that romance. that's the holiday in February. It's the Valentine's Day. That's the one. Uh, so next next week, uh, Caroline, we're going to be talking about also a director that I have uh, subjected you to multiple times in this podcast. I think probably for the last time. Who is that director? What is that film? What is their film? Ang Lee's Sense and Sensibility, of course. Best Picture nominee. Best, Best Picture nominee. nominee. Which is uh, a thing I one. learned today that you will not hear in you will not hear that in the What Do I Know About That film because I uh, just learned that today and we've already recorded that. But I was listening to some Oscars podcast and they mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, oh, what a good what a good Best Picture nominee that was. And I said, oh, yeah. I'll be watching that film. Great next movie. Week. It's a great movie. I'm very excited to watch it. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, next week, next week we come back with Love Month. We'll see you all then. Bye.